Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast. The podcast all about classic and obscure war movies, from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello there, sorry to interrupt. I wanted to let you know that you can now join our supporting cast over on Patreon. As thanks for your support, you'll be able to help us pick films, submit questions for guests, have first pick on brand new and exclusive merch, and much more. Thank you for your support. Now back to the show. Hello, and welcome back to Fighting on Film. This week we have a very, very, very special occasion where we might actually finally do some chivalry and swords. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> Patrons in the background. Finally! Woohoo! Everyone. Everyone. I, I, we, we've received some like DMs and messages on various social media platforms going, when are you going to do some swords and chivalry? We've been getting hounded, we have. Um, like we are very seen on this issue, so yeah. you know, very pleased to finally get a film of Our this first look. one. Yeah, and massive thanks to the patrons who, uh, the supporting cast who voted for this one over um, Guadalcanal, The Real Glory. Oh, what was that other one? Um, April morning, April morning that I chose. That yeah, um, yeah, some really good stuff there. But we've been talking about doing Ironclad for a while, and every time we talk about Ages. what we're going to do for medieval chivalry swords what are we gonna do this one always comes up um and it's you know in classic foff style it's a last stand film well hey we finally (laughs) we finally do a chivalry and sword movie and it's a last stand film of course because who doesn't love a siege yeah and this film is definitely a siege on the senses it's it's plenty of gore that's for sure christ yeah it's gratuitous Um, at times it is. Um, we'll talk about more about that in a little minute. Definitely. Um, I'll lead off. I'll cover um, production, and then you can jump into Castro if that works for you. Yeah, no problem. Go ahead, mate. Um, so, directed by uh, Jonathan English, uh, it was released in 2011, but it was actually filmed way back in 2009. Um, so, had a little bit of uh, 
an inter interval between filming and release um no doubt because you know post-production what cgi yeah. we'll talk about that as well um jonathan english best known for this film basically um he'd mm. worked on minotaur in 2006 um and then in 2014 he did the sequel to this film um which follows like a survivor from the siege has to defend his village from some celtic raiders who um, <laughs> there wasn't many I, survivors yeah i'm gonna guess it's the squire because um james Purfoy okay. doesn't come back so i don't i don't know oh, fair no enough, one comes yeah. back come back maybe yeah. we'll do that sometime down the line yeah i'm glad to it's kate mara defending a village Kate mara just and they just recasted her as someone completely different yeah yeah <laughs> english is probably you know uh most successful in in terms of he's a prolific producer he's worked on all sorts of things over the last 20 years um most recently uh some of his tv stuff has included seal team the ark and the outpost so wow. some fairly prominent series there uh, the screenplay was was devised by English and um, Eric Castell and Stephen McDool. And essentially, I, I read uh, an interview with him on Patch.com where he talks about, you know, the impetus for making the film. Mm. And he says, I think before I'd even left the building, I assume he means either the castle or the gift shop. Um, I'd already <laughs> yeah. had one of those moments where you go, wow, that would make a really good movie. Um, so apparently he visited Rochester, uh, Rochester Castle learned a little bit about you know it's amazing history um in terms of um the siege and we'll talk we'll give a bit of historical context on that in a, in a moment um but rightly so he thought that would make a great movie and he went away and started working on a script um and gathered a huge team of of producers um and financiers with about 20 25 people attached yeah. to the project a lot, a lot of production. people to get this one over the line yeah yeah a lot of moving parts for sure um, about a twenty million pound uh, budget, um, and it was that's entirely fair. that's quite it's good. That is fair. Oh, no, um, like independent production. That is yeah, it's not bad. And the, in places you can definitely see that money, and mm, in oh, casting yeah. you can definitely see that money. Yeah, well, yeah, um, <laughs> I think that's where a lot of the money might have gone. Yeah, entirely uh, shot in Wales. Uh, uh, an impressive replica of the actual castle was built. Mm. Um, so the production designer, Joseph Nemec, said the team carried out like a very extensive research into the architecture of the, of the period, um, but they didn't choose to remain strictly true to you know the style uh, in every aspect. He said, we discovered that all castles were covered in plaster and painted with a lime wash. So they all had white interior rooms, which is fascinating from a research point of view. But we realized that if we did that, it would look like the Princess Diaries. But we're making a movie about brutal medieval battles. Um, so clearly there, Namek has gone away and thought, well, yeah. if we if we just paint everywhere white as it would have been, you know, looking brand spanking new, people are gonna be disconnected from what they've seen Perhaps. walking around castles and stuff and seeing Maybe. photos. I, I, I mean it might I, have been a fucker to light yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean you can see they had, they were yeah. struggling in some places with those interior shots. Um, yeah. Some of those interior shots, um, such as like the uh, Archbishop visit, Charles Dance, um, was filmed at uh, Tree Tower Manor in Wales, uh, and then uh, St. Donat's Castle in, in the Vale of Glamorgan um, was used for a number of shots, and a lot of it was filmed um, in a field um, near uh, Pencoed. Um and the castle was there for a couple of years afterwards. So essentially oh, wow. what they did was they built this giant, like, 
external model of the front of the keep, the famous, you know, front um, sort of like steps and gate and, yeah. and that corner um, that spoilers comes down and a little bit of oh, the man. Bailey. Oh, no, you've ruined it. Oh. I know. Sorry. Sorry, everyone. Um, it only happened in 1215, Rob. So, you know, people <laughs> have had Spoiler time. Spoiler alert, people. It's a long time. <laughs> so basically, they made it all out of um, wood scaffolding, plastic and, and sheet metal. And it looks like I've seen some behind the scenes photographs and people have gone for set visits and stuff. And it looks really incredible. It's, it's good. Um, yeah. One guy so that visited bits said, of it dotted around like the Berlin Wall. People have got bits oh, of it. Yeah, I bet. Little chunks. Yeah. Like someone's garden. Like just a... <laughs> yeah. Step like from Rochester Castle. <laughs> Someone's <laughs> <Yeah>. man cave. <laughs> this is Raise this is from uh, this is from the, the, this is the 2009, <laughs> 2009 film Ironclad. Um, <laughs> liberated this from the set. Someone's garage <laughs> keeps the misses out anyway. Uh, <laughs> Keep the Ford Fiesta in there. Port Cullis keeps it safe. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, that'd be that'd be peak man cave. That'd be cool memorabilia um but yeah so it, it looks really impressive the people that visited the set talk about like you can get within arms re- like arms distance and it, then you start to see that it's painted and stuff and okay. not quite real um but it sounds really impressive and the the scale of it is definitely impressive um yeah it's good cinematography was by uh david egby who uh, cut his teeth on the original mad max uh, which oh, wow. is quite impressive Lots of films, uh, Quickly Down Under, which is a personal fave. Um, it's like a cowboy film set in Australia in the 1800s. Wild. Nice. Um, and then the music was by Lorne Balf, um, who has worked on a huge plethora of films, some that we've already covered. Um, films including 12 Strong, 13 Hours, um, Terminator Genesis, uh, the most recent uh, Mission Impossible films, um, and the... Churchill film that, that Brian Cox did, which was terrible. We'll talk um, about that in a minute, interestingly okay. enough. Good, good. Um, the, Tomo- the Tomorrow War and uh, Top Gun Maverick as well. Um, so yes. he, he's I remember, done some really impressive scoring. I don't mean to tangent, but I remember that film being odd because it was just Churchill being worried about D-Day. Yeah, it was It was like someone had written a film about Churchill without doing any reading about <laughs> Churchill. Yeah. <laughs> just Brian Cox being like, but what if the boys get killed on the beaches? It's like... Yeah, what? yeah. I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to, like, yeah, exactly. they tried to draw like Gallipoli parallels and stuff, yeah. didn't they? But I, I, that's not where Churchill was at that And they like made that. out that he, him and Kitty didn't get along in places. Yeah. And I'm like, they, were, they really liked each other. Like They were happily married. Like, what? Okay. Um, the CGI, which I mentioned uh, a little earlier, but it's relatively imp- impressive for 2009-2011 standards, mm-hmm. um, was done by a company called Lola, and they did about 20 shots for the movie, including um, several like digital map paintings, like like just still backgrounds, yeah. um, army and trebuchet replication, and, and CG castles and bridges and cathedrals. Yeah, that stuff. holds up. I've got to admit, it's it fine. Does. There's nothing wrong with the, it. We'll probably talk about it towards the end of the, the show, but the, the scene where it spoilers the corner of the castle collapses is actually you know quite good for it's not bad you look yeah. at it for too long it's a bit ropey yeah like it's all right for that you know for 2011 yeah for pretty, an independent what good. essentially is an independent film mm. like it's yes it's good absolutely um and i think that basically rounds it out for okay production 
Cool. So I'm Woody Cast, and then I've got a one-word review. Uh, I've got the one-word reviews, and then I've got a, a retro review. So kicking off the cast. So I've I've got down here that it's a really interesting mix of British character actors and one American well-respected character actor. Oh my um, god, it's like the fifties. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so apparently, um, the much of the original casting ideas um, were canned, um, and uh, Kate Mara was one of the ones that pe- that was like originally attached. Um, and then they had to change a lot of the casting, um, but we don't know who those original people were. Um, Ooh, yeah, because apparently, I think at one stage, from I did some research about the production as well. It seems like there was a much grander film planned, and then the financing yeah. had to be all rejigged around. So you know, actors had to either pulled out through scheduling or they couldn't afford them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but the cast that you get is not too shabby. So we have James Purfoy as Marshall. He's a Knights Templar and a, and a former Crusader. Um, early credits include A Knight's Tale, uh, played uh, played King George in the, uh, the Churchill 2017 film uh, that also starred Brian Cox. Great film. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Solomon Kane. Uh, TV roles include HBO's Rome, Sharp Sword, um, yep. The Hollow Crown, and most recently Sex Education. I know Matt has seen some of that one. I have, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good in that. Okay, fair enough. I haven't watched it. Um, we've got Brian Cox, aforementioned, as Baron Albany. Uh, he's an Emmy Award-winning, Lawrence and Olivia Award-winning, Golden Globe winner, a Scottish actor. He's found fame most recently as Logan Roy in Succession. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, you know... Real resurgence for him. Longevity in his career now. I think he, we're going to remember him for a long time. He was also in Sharp. Already. He was also in Sharp. No, I don't know Sharp very well, so... Alas. Um, so he was in Charles uh, Churchill 2017, mentioned it again. Um, other notable roles mench- uh, include Wes... Wes Anderson's Rushmore and Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. Um, he's also in Rob Roy and Braveheart. And he also played Herman Goering in the 2001 TV film Nuremberg. Um, and the likeness is actually really uncanny, I think. I remember that. Yeah. 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 I think it's Alec Baldwin in that one, I think, as well. Um, or it might be Billy Baldwin. One of the Baldwins. Um, so Derek Jacobi, his powerhouse is coming out the back. Right? I know. I coming know. out. Uh, so Derek Jacobi is Reginald de Cornhill, uh, the Lord uh, of the Castle. Uh, Rochester Castle. He's a BAFTA, Olivier Tony Award, Emmy winner, uh, known for his roles in the 1970s I, Claudius, uh, The Odessa File, Day of the Jackal, mm. Gladiator, Two Men Went to War, which we should do. It's quite an interesting war yeah, film. Yeah. Um, yeah. King's Speech. And he also played Hitler in a 1982 TV film called Inside the Third Reich. Um, no way. He did, yeah. Did not know that. Um, and he played Stanley Baldwin in The Gathering Storm in 2002. So there's a Interesting Churchill. Uh, I remember that. Yeah. Through line. Yeah. I remember that being quite good. Um, then we have Kate Mara as Isabel Cornhill's wife. Um, she's an American actress. She's been in House of Cards, Shooter, uh, the 2015 Fantastic Four reboot, The Martian, and most recently, um, one of the late, an episode of one of the latest series of Black Mirror. Yeah. She gets pushed in front of a train in uh, House of Cards, if I remember rightly. I, I wouldn't know. Spoilers uh, for anyone there. I've really probably fucked that for someone. I only like the original British series, so I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to that. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. <laughs> no, it's, it's bad. all right, but the... the I haven't watched the last season um, because of... The BBC trilogy happens. is peak, top-notch, absolutely. Mm. Um, then we have Paul Giamatti as King John. He's an Oscar nominee. Uh, he won that for his uh, appearance as Joe Gould in 2005 Cinderella Man. He also appeared in Sideways, um, the, the film about wine. 
um, mm-hmm. Shoot him up, 12 Years a Slave, straight out of Compton. He won a Golden Globe um, and an Emmy for his role as John Adams in the HBO series of the same name, which I think flew under the radar here a little bit. It I'm did, sure yeah. It... I think not enough people knew who John Adams was yeah, for it to yeah. really hit, you know? Mm, yeah. Although you, you, you could say that about Hamilton too, but Hamilton's yeah. a phenomenon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he might be best known to the Foth faithful for his role, cameo role, in Saving Private Ryan as the paratrooper sergeant who knocks down the wall of the cafe after trying to get the oh, yeah. uh, stone out of his boot. That's what I, I love seeing him in that. He's, he's like, that's your friendly neighborhood morale officer. The Statue <laughs> of Liberty is kaput. I didn't know that. He does a really good American accent for being a Brit. It fluctuates, but it's, <laughs> it, it, it stays there. It's all right. There's some ADR in there, though. You've got to admit, like you def- spotted it instantly. Definite ADR, because it, yeah. it's it's very like. What's ADR level. for the listeners, Rob? If they haven't heard us going about that before, post-recorded sound. So you re-record your lines over the footage. It, it's quite common. Um, mo- I think most movies do it naturally anyway. Now it's just a formality. Yeah, yeah it's kind of goes alongside foley stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, because obviously, when you're shooting, there's wind and all things like that. <laughs> like, mm. I've I've done short films where we had to ADR the entire thing. Because all, all the, you know, all the on location uh, sound recorded was just gash because there was wind. There's nothing you can do. Uh, moving on, we have Jason Fleming as Beckett, one of Albany's mercs. Uh, he's a another British character actor, prolific. Um, he's known for his early roles in. Uh, Lock, oh Stock God, this two... could have been a Mac month film, Rob. It could have been. It is oh, a Mac we film missed too. an opportunity there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so he's in uh, Lockstock, Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch. He played Dr. Jekyll and Hyde in 2003's League of Gentlemen, which younger Robbie absolutely loved. Um, well, it was good. I don't know why everyone hates on it. Like, it was fine. Up. It's yeah, fun. It's, it's a fun. comic book film, which feels yeah. like a comic book film before they it got is. You know, cor- before they corporatized. Hit, yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, he's also in Rob Roy, another connection. Uh, mean Machine, the World War II horror film The Bunker, which, you know, if you're... In the tunnels of Off HQ, you might have heard smatterings about that maybe being our Halloween film um, this year. So stay tuned for that one. Jason, if you're listening, join us for that. We'd love to have you on. Um, and he's also an X-Men. And one for Matt, actually, a role that I thought you might like if you don't know about it already. He played Quatermass in the 2005 remake of Quatermass and the experiment. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. the sort of like modern um, revamp of it. That one was... with Mark Gattis. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. good, actually. I watched that at the time. I liked it. Yeah. Um, was he in he, Churchill 2017? He wasn't, unfortunately, no. Oh, shame. No. Film. <laughs> Matt's gaslighting everyone about this Churchill movie this week. <laughs> I can't control him when he's like this, folks. Um, he was also in the alternative history drama SSGB, which I thought was woefully underwhelming. Oh, um, considering that was a missed opportunity. Matter, it really yeah. was. Yeah. Um, and most recently, he appeared in the sky uh, crime drama A Town Called Malice. Then we have Jamie Foreman, uh, whose credits include uh, uh, roles in Gary Oldman's Neil by Mouth. It's one of my all-time favourite films. It's just horrifically superb. Um, ID, lots of Nick Love, sort of hooligan-y type movies, Football Factory, Goodbye Charlie Bright. He also appears in Layer Cake. He's such like a, you you want like a a domineering, baddie type. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's Jamie Foreman. Um, I've met him at a convention. Love, lovely guy. Oh, that's cool. Um, but he's also been in a couple of military things um, in the seventies uh, and eighties. So he was in Wings in nineteen seventy eight and Squadron in nineteen eighty two, which is like a fictional show about a like a, a fighter um, squadron. Squadron. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and he also played Derek Branning in EastEnders from 2011 to 2012. Prolific guy. He's been in so much. Um, and then we have Anurin Bernard as Guy. He's Albany Squire. He was in Dunkirk 2017. He played Mozart in Interlude in Prague. Uh, Bitter Harvest. TV roles include Peaky Blinders. He was in SSGB and War and Peace and the Netflix 1899 thing that they canned the minute it did poorly, if you remember that. 99, which one's that? Is that the Yellowstone what about the ship? thing? Oh, yeah. No, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I, and they canned it. I watched it, and that must be where I recognise his face from, because I watched it all, and I was like, this is okay, because it was based on um, the same production team as uh, Dark, mm. which is a really good German series that was quite cool, set in the 80s in like West yeah. Germany. Um, but, it's a shame. Yeah. We need, to, we need to stop big companies just killing things because it doesn't get an immediate audience. That's, right. that's not how media works. Exactly. Um, because if that happened, there'd be no YouTubers. There'd no. be no nothing like that. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's very media, true. You know, it's it's yeah. It's not how it works. Anyway, given up long ago. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> Mackenzie Crook um, stars as Marx. Uh, he's an archer. Um, he's a little bit Legolasy type character in there. I feel mm-hmm. like that's who they were championing. A lot here. of, lot of uh, the same pickup shot there as well. Oh yeah, we'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's in Pirates of the Caribbean. He's in BBC Four's excellent comedy series, uh, The Detectorists. He was Gareth in The Office. And mm-hmm. he was also in Churchill, the Hollywood years that we need to cover because that's a funny film. Oh, it's not as um, good as the 2017 Churchill, though, is it? Oh, my God, amazing. <laughs> um, and he also played Wurzel Gummidge in the 2019 remake, and he was in Game of Thrones. So another okay. prolific character actor. He looked quite good in the production the promotional images I saw of Wurzel Gummidge. I was like, hmm. yeah, I could, that's a good casting. Um, then we have uh, Reese Parry Jones as Wolfstan. He's another one of the Mercs. Um, and the most interesting credit that he plays, and he's quite a big guy in there, like Dom, like you know, powerful looking chap, mm. um, big bear of a man. He played John Lemeshere in 2018's A Very British Scandal. What? And I just couldn't see it. But how did he okay. slim down that much? I don't know. Maybe, maybe he lost a load of weight. Like. No you idea. can lose a lot of weight, but you can still be broad. Like I know. The measure well, isn't amazing. known for being like... I'm going to cut, I'm gonna track down some scenes. It's interested me so yeah. much. Um, and he provides... And the first time we've ever mentioned this on the show, so I was I had to get it in there. He provides the Welsh dub, like language dub, of the voices of Patrick and Mr. Krabs in the S4C SpongeBob SquarePants dubs. That is incredible trivia. That is the I only. Know. That is the only time that will ever be mentioned on a... War movie podcast, and yeah, I'm so I, 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 here I, I, for it. Amazing! I, I I need to go and find that now. Me money. Absolutely love Mr. Krabs. Whatever, um, what, whatever he says, it, it whatever it is for Welsh. Really no, I live Welsh in Wales, before. but I cannot speak Welsh. The, the Paris docks. Um, then we have Vladimir Kulich as Tiberius, the leader of King King John's Danish mercenaries. Mercenary film. How could we have missed this? Jeez. Oh, He's a Czech We've actor. really fucked it on this one. We, we haven't dropped the ball. We've dropped the axe at the, at the peak moment. Uh, 13th Warrior, Smoking Aces, uh, The Equalizer, the, the Denzel Washington version, not the superior Ed Woodward version. Um, naturally. Naturally. Uh, TV roles include MacGyver, Angel, The X-Files, and Vikings, because um, the guy's got form for playing Viking-type guys. You do. Um, and finally, rounding out the cast... Um, we have Charles Dance, another power British powerhouse. Amazing, um, and he's the Arch- narrator too. And he's the narrator too. Yeah, 
as Archbishop Langton. He's been in Michael Collins, Gosford Park, Alien 3, The Imitation Game. He played Lord Mountbatten in The Crown, Last Action Hero, The Kingsman. TV work includes The Professionals, <coughs> excuse me, The Professionals, Towers the Unexpected, Foils War, and probably most notably in the pop culture scene, Tywin Lannister in Game of Thrones. So what a great, what an amazing cast that, that this yeah. has, really. Um, and we'll talk about them more later, I think. But on paper, that's a very good cast for your, you know, 20 million independent movie. It I was really is. really impressed. Um, and I'll just segue beautifully into the One Word Reviews this week. So as always, uh, we put it out on the Twitter, um, usually on a Sunday or a Monday before we record. And we at always love film. at fighting on film. Do follow us, and we'd love to hear what you guys think. So, kicking off, we have Fake History Hunter, a fantastic uh, account on Twitter. If you don't already follow it, um, and he says, "Awful." Ad Bond went with swords. Paul Hicks goes, "Great film." Lance Nielsen uh, goes, "Fleming." I think Lance is a friend of Jason's, so he's going to champion his mate. And why not? Because Jason's good in this. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. Williams goes at last. Chivalry and swords. Uh, Mark Barnes goes with Messi. Uh, Tansy Kelly Robinson goes with Purfoy, hot, and she put my mum learned history about about history from this that she didn't know. Night Irish goes Magna, big letters. Um, <laughs> Peter Sutherland tags fake history hunter in, um, and Doctor Timothy Simmons goes, "Is that finally a chivalry and swords film?" And then I had a couple of messages from on Facebook, um, one from John Passerini going, "I couldn't choose whether to say chivalry or swords," so it was a <laughs> lot, of, lot of excitement, um, yeah. but it was great. Uh, so yeah, thanks again, guys. Some some great feedback there. Um, and now we segue into our retro review. We haven't had one for a while, so I always love digging them up. So we have an Empire review from March 2011, and I'll just read you an excerpt from it now. The blokey medieval mini epic picks up the chronicle where Ridley Scott dropped it at the end of the, his Robin Hood, and plunges into the juicy politicking of the Barons' War as a vindictive monarch tries to take back England from upstarts who have made him grant unheard of liberties to the people. According to Wikipedia, several hundred rebels held out during the siege, but Ironclad slims down the number to a traditional magnificent seven. Like all sieges, this offers moments of choppy terror and excitement, followed by a dull sit-in-and-out staff spots. This still offers enough dismemberments, royal tantrums and portcullis rammings to make for a lively Saturday night out. So not too unfair. No. That's but also not on the level, yeah. Yeah, not not praising it massively, but then not underpraising it either. Um, and we'll see what we think as we go along. So maybe we should segue into the first alley tally, where me and Matt, are complete novices, roll the alley tally jingle, and whatever Acast are advertising this week. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. burrow.com slash ACAST. 
It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film. So, Rob, what was your favorite sword in the film? I like the Smith and Wesson sword or the Kalashnikov sword. No, are you kidding? Um, so I was looking into this because I, I admit it, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to like pre nineteen post so pre nineteen hundred British history. I'm a bit of a you know I sort of left all that in in key stage three history and was like I already like war with guns um so i sort of stopped um but i was watching um there's a five piece uh like youtube series that lindy beige did um about this movie and he apparently he was meant to be at one stage was going to be attached to the movie as an advisor but it didn't happen so he he was pretty scathing and he was saying like there's inaccuracies in the costumes like you get the classic everyone's got like pop studs over them when pop studs didn't exist People have got like weird like chain links where there isn't anything. Um, there's fiberglass helmets with like paint having been chipped off that they hang around on too much. Um, but I I can't pick anything out because I don't really know that much. But I like to see loads of different sort of hand to hand weaponry because we rarely get to see it on the film. So it, on on the yeah. show even. So it was a nice change of pace to sort of sort of be um, fat, dumb, and happy watching a movie rather than being like, oh, is, is that a proper M1 carbine with the non-bayonet lug for 1943? You know, like, it was nice not to be able to be going in so hard on a on a shootout. It's that, yeah. I think that's, yeah. yeah. That's fair. That's fair. I have other things um, to say too, but what did you think? Uh, I, yeah, there are, as you mentioned, some things that are a bit off, like costuming-wise, but, you know, there's, at least not everyone's in plate armor, which in twelve fifteen would not be a thing. Um, yeah, that was what gonna, I was worried about. That was like, yeah, like plenty of people in um, gambeson and mail um, period sort of helmets, like pot helmets and stuff, is pretty all right. Yeah, Perfoy um, has a long sword, which is correct. Um, not sure whether it's a hand and a half or two hand or whatever. I'm not entirely sure on that. It's Don't a long boy. on that. It is a long boy. He'd be chomping um, with that. He, there's that great scene where he just like roars clear and then <laughs> cuts a <him> line half. <laughs> yeah. Insane. So great. Um, and then there's that scene where he's on a horse and he has a flail, which is pretty cool. Yeah, like, so stupid, that scene. I don't know why silly. he did that. Now's that's the like time to get on the horse. <laughs> it reminds me of something like Ned Kelly. He just comes out with a big helmet on. Yeah. Starts yeah. swigging. Um, Classic the, British fair. She starts windmilling in when it all looks like everything's <laughs> going to be lost. Um, big dude had a falchion, which was pretty cool. It's a, did, a little like yeah. weird, funky sword. Um, no, I thought it was an Urukai sword from Lord of the Rings. I thought it reminded me of. Um, Crook had a longbow as the archer. Um, Jason had like a, a pole axe. That was sort cool. of thing. Um, and then Tiberius, the Dane dude, leader of the mercenaries. Yeah. Um, Jamie Foreman had like a club. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, and Tiberius, the Dane dude, had a um, like a battle axe thing, like a, a rubber axe. battle axe. But it's so painfully yeah. a rubber axe in shots. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, can we not swap it out for a, a real one when we're in like close up? No, there's no hero it's model on that one, Rob. Sorry. It's such a weird thing. <laughs> oh uh, my God. Like, I, I'm going to talk about it now because why not? Um, I hate the fact that they portray the Danes as like Vikings. 
Yeah. Which would have been fine like 500, 600 years earlier. Um, ish. But at that point, they're all been like Christianized. They're not all yeah, around Paul like, Giamatti's King John's threatening to Christianize them. They've yeah, all been Christianized. Like, we're going to, like, I'm, I might have promised, that, you know, I'd have a way with the Pope and stop him that from Christianizing like your land, but I didn't. <laughs> threat to be like, yeah. What a what a double cross that was, Rob. That, <laughs> that scene, I was shook. I really I was. Um, I'll talk more about those guys later, I'm sure. Um, Kate Mara's dress, probably definitely not period correct. No, probably not. <laughs> uh, definitely would have been a bit more covered up. Um, yeah. Because all of the manuscripts no, sure and illustrations ones... from the period you see, like, you don't really see, like, open no. top dresses and such. I was but pretty again... sure in, in one sequence when... Um, Jason Fleming was like having a fight. I was pretty sure he was in like a pair of black, cat, like khaki cacks, like khakis <laughs> underneath his like armor. Because I saw like back pockets on his, on the back of the trousers. <laughs> oh, yeah, medieval period is like, well oh, known yes, for his propensity of back pockets, back bum pocket on the jean. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but generally speaking, I have no idea on clothing. Um, I have a very <laughs> We said this, we said this, it, like the first Ali Tally that's going to be non-guns is going to be hilarious. And like, I'm, I'm loving it. We've done well, all right, thing, we've done okay. One, one thing I will mention, and I, it always gets me in, in medieval, um, like any sort of period piece. Um, yeah. Anyway, how fucking well lit rooms are mm. by, can, by candlelight. So I, mm-hmm. I text Matt when I was watching. I was like, they must have those radioactive candles that like light the whole room. Um, and it reminded me, you remember when in Wolf when Wolf Hall came out when they when the BBC mm. did that? <laughs> and they used period well, you know, to my knowledge anyway, period lighting. And people were going, You can't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people didn't say that about Kubrick, did they? I know, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Barry Lyndon, you're like, can't see anything. Can't see, fuck all. Like, I, I remember there being like a big mail article going like, people up in arms, you can't see anything in Wolf Hall. And then loads of historians are coming out being like, well, yeah, because like candles aren't that powerful back in the day. Like, what can you do? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just interesting. There you go. That's, that was the candle tally. Um, and <laughs> I've got more. Like, oh, carry on, do carry on. Bro. I've got a few more. Um, I like the siege tower. It's cool to see one of them. That was cool, yeah. That's the trebuchets cool. and stuff, they were cool. Yeah. I like the mini trebuchet they make out of bits yeah. of wood. God knows yeah. how they did that. Um, yeah, I would have liked a, a real, like, A-team montage of them doing that. That would have been sick. <laughs> yeah. Brian Cox just, just like, with a, with a pipe in his mouth or something. He's like, I love it when, a, I love it when, a, when a plan trebuchet comes together. Comes together. <laughs> um, that was really cool. But I, I When thine plans come together... One more celebrate <laughs> when when God has died a divine plan. It is a greatest a, gr- a gratuitous day. Like Christ, why are we doing like bad lop, lopping talk? They don't even do that in the movie. <laughs> um, I like that. Oh my God. I, lo- I loved how like when I, th- I don't know what they were that they were flinging at them, but like when when the fire bombs went off, I was like fucking hell. They had like oh yeah, like Greek fire pots and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they went up like Hiroshima bombs. It was great. That's a they cliche. Did, yeah. I loved it. It is. Oh, I've got some tropes. If you want some tropes, you want oh, can we do some tropes? Can we have a can we have a, a sneaky covert trope tally in this week? That'd be nice. Let's go for it. We got the neglected wife played by Kate Mara. 
Yes, yes. We've got uh, we've got PTSD Templar. Um, <laughs> yes, he's seen some shit in the Crusades. Yeah, there's, there's, there's moments where he's middle distancing, and it's like, oh, yeah. damn, yeah, he's seen some serious Saracen stuff. We just couldn't um, instill religion with swords, and it didn't right. go to plan. I'm so fucking. I, I like how he, he realizes, like, oh, even when you're doing it for God, it's not that great. That's yeah. literally one what? of the lines. War's bad. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? We've got a uh, young, inexperienced squire. We've got Jason's character not trusting uh, Purfoy's character. Yeah. Um, yeah. But we miss out on the they grudgingly, you know, come to respect one another in battle. They they don't do that. Mm-hmm. So we missed on that trope, sadly. Um, we got time jump explained by the narrator. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. We um, get that. <laughs> we got Purfoy saving the squire at the last minute, and then he, you know, he goes one to one with a baddie at the end of the film. Yeah, he comes out and no, he's like half dead. He just gets up and starts. Yeah. It just he just does that twice. Jenkins he does in. that in the in the in the. <laughs> That's what he's doing with that horse and the flail. Ooh, he's he literally is <laughs> Jenkins in it. <laughs> Nuts Templar. Oh. <laughs> oh my word. Um. And then he kills the baddie at the end with a broken sword, just like Kevin Costner in uh, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He does, yeah. A, that's a trope, broken swords. Mm, mm. Still being used. Oh, and the relief head. army arrives just in the oh, nick yeah. of time. Yeah. Which, that never happened, spoilers. Yeah. We'll talk more about that and at the, the French, end of the show. The but, French Jesus. prince. The French prince is going to be the future king of England. Oh, I, I don't God. know my kings or whatever, so I don't know who he's meant to be. But he doesn't even get a line. He just nods. He just nods. Well, um... he, spoilers, but he was never king. So that's why. Oh, okay. Oh, fair enough. I realise we've gotten this deep into the film without even explaining what the film's about. We've done the classic Foff thing where we've not explained what the no, film's about. No, I did about. it. I mentioned I it in it. the retro review. <laughs> That's fine. Someone, no. someone else explained the film for us <laughs> ten years ago. Whatever yeah, the Empire. Was. Thank you, Empire, for, Thank for you, explaining Empire. The plot of the film. Just before we forget again, basic plot of the film is um, King John uh, re- returns to take revenge <laughs> on the on like the, Star uh, Wars. King John, he's returned. Yeah, this is this. Just imagine the blue scroll. Um, <laughs> and, the dead um, speak. <laughs> <That is funny. laughs> Um, and I think uh, inside uh, Rochester Castle, quite operational. Oh my god, you did this last <laughs> night, and it, it yeah, it... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, the Baron de Albany is um looking to prevent uh, the king from spreading north and, and taking London and, and um, you know, gaining a foothold again, which I yeah, kind of historically correct. Um, that okay. was the, the the point. Um, so as you mentioned earlier as well at the beginning of the show, I think um the re- retro review actually did mention this that there were a lot more guys than like the twenty guys that are in there. Yeah. Um, you're looking it's at like probably two hundred people. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yeah. So you got men at arms, archers, like yeah. just general foot soldiers. They, they could have CGI'd a load of lads in, and then just shot. Like close-ups of the ramparts with. A few I mean, it wouldn't lads. have been hard to have some of the Dane extras as extras I said inside this. as well. I said this. Um, just you know, just do, done do a, the... like a, an Attenborough's private army thing with. Yeah, them. just do that. Yeah, um, you, could, you could make fifty men look like a hundred if you were savvy with editing. Indeed, yeah, no, totally. Um, it, and we'll talk about the actual, you know, the travesty of the ending of the film later. In, I'm sure, because 
he takes a real left turn on the old historical accuracy front. Oh yeah. I think on that note we should do favourite scenes. Favourite scenes. Hello, I'm Al Murray and you're listening to Fighting on Film, the world's number one war film podcast. My favourite scene is when Brian Cox gets flung against the castle wall. <laughs> That's so funny. I I went back and I, I, re- I rewound that about ten times. <laughs> oh my god, Rob. Because it was so funny. I wanted to work out when he, when he stopped being a person. And when, when it, it was stopped being Brian dummy. Cox. <laughs> yes. I, think, I think as soon as he was attached no, to the you trebuchet. Know what I mean? Like, I love the cut. And when his arms got cut off, I it just, stopped no, being I just, Brian Cox. It wasn't he didn't hack his arms off. Yeah. Brian Cox is there in every interview trying to hide his nubs from Ironclad where he got fucking hacked to bits. Like, no. <laughs> so, no, I mean, when they, you know, he starts to be flung and then he is flung yeah. and he's getting like a limp dummy. At what point does it become a dummy? Yeah. It's so slapstick. It's hilarious. The way it just hits the wall and it leaves like a blood splatter and it <laughs> slides so down. It's gratuitous for like no it's reason. It's insane. And the, the, the amazing thing about that is. Daubeny wasn't tortured or killed <laughs> at the siege. Yeah. He he lived another 30 years. He was taken prisoner. He didn't die. Albany, famously, Albany's, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> surviving family walked out the premiere in 2011. They were like, <laughs> like Zulu. <laughs> they couldn't believe the treatment of a, of a wall baron. They couldn't believe how he was treated. The man supplied wool for millennia. How dare He wasn't a wool merchant either. <laughs> was he not? Oh, okay. No. Paul Giamatti as King John told me that. I took that at face value. Well, you know, that performance is, you know, you buy into that that performance. You Giamatti do. really sells it's, it to you. It's great. I love it. Yeah. What's your um, favourite scene? Talking about that, my favourite scene is one of Giamatti's scenes. Um, and there's a reason for it. So Giamatti is torturing the, the people who are left and he, and he cuts cuts the hands off the guys and everyone's, you know, the, the Vikings are bound for blood. Um nice. The Danes, sorry, they might as well be Vikings, is what they're sort of going for, aren't they? In fact, they weren't Danes. They weren't Danes either. Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, It's weird, because they're all, like, depicted as, like, I think they're speaking Hungarian at some point. Um, And it's like, they're all, like, looking like Vikings, but at at the time, I think he he mainly hired, um, like, Dutch or Flemish um, and Spanish mercenaries. You could just change that on the day. Like it, yeah. it doesn't just change it in ADR. It doesn't matter. I know it's it's weird, isn't it? Oh my god, it still would have been bad because it wouldn't look nothing like Danish, Flemish mercenaries. But it doesn't matter. Um, so yeah, favorite scene. So um, Giamatti is 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 telling. Well, Albany and Giamatti are having a row before you know he gets flung at the wall. Yeah, a big confrontation. Yeah, and it's and uh, Giamatti just goes on this outburst, this rant. And I think it's up there with some of the best angry acting scenes, like in, in like Pacino in Heat, where he loses it. And, oh, and it's Bruno definitely Gans. from the Pacino school of angry like, acting. But like Bruno Gansey, totally. down And he, he's just, he gets some great lines. So he's like, you cry for the common man and in the same breath curse the crown that protects him. <laughs> and then he's like, <laughs> I have the blood. I am God's right hand. And you will never dictate to me how I am to be a king. And it's just like, it's so like over the top. Um, like angry and spite filled, and I end up actually siding with King John because I'm like, actually, he makes he's the only person in the entire fucking movie that has any conviction or yeah. skin in the game. Gives it a bit of passion. 
because this is and this really feeds into my final thoughts where the movie hasn't done enough to justify to you why Albany's fight is just why the Magna Carta is important. It just assumes the audience is going to know. Yeah. Nine, so, nine, um, nine, nine people out of 10 aren't going to know what the Magna Carta actually includes. No. And, you know, the basis yeah. of common law, et cetera. And, you know, that people are not going to know the significance. Not of the really. Background. Not unless Even you with Charles Dance's, tell them. Um, intro. Either. Three line like, intro. Give enough. Yeah, it's not enough. And, and that's, and that's why I liked Giamatti scene because at least you get explained why King John's doing what he's doing, whether it's right or wrong mm. in, in the terms of the film. Um, at least he gets his, and he gets more moments where he's talking to um, Tiberius about why this is and why it's important and why oh, I need yeah, to take the castle. You get more that, of it. There's that good scene where he talks about um, his father. Like, yeah. Cutting the finger off the, the serving girl. He gets characterization. That no yeah. one else gets. No, it's and one I of the, find that the failures so of the film. Weird, yeah. Mm. But no, it's that scene's on. If you don't watch the movie, that scene's on YouTube. Just go and watch it. It's great. Um, Albany and Cox have got a great. I wish there'd been more scenes with them together. Um, yeah, the, the cinematography is good. I like I like the angles that they go for in certain you know aspects of the film. There's some really nice shots in there. It has to be said. Um, oh yeah, it's it's competently shot. Like there's not. Yeah. Like I think editing wise is is it's dated very badly in the terms of how you shoot. Yeah, in terms of you know those combat scenes, it's very mm. smash cut, very quick. Yeah, you can't really see a great a deal of what's going on. Yeah, there's no, there's mm. no, there's never a wide shot because I think if you'd have done that, you'd have shown how sparse the defenses. Yeah, were. it's like it's like the 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 Bourne movies or the Taken movies era of like editing where it's. Yes. All very close, um, very rapid cuts moving around mm. and stuff. Shaky yeah. cam. Disorientating, trying to not really... Mm-hmm. So you don't know what's going on. And I guess it's trying to echo like franticness of hand-to-hand combat and how yeah. close up it is. But th- there's only so many like shots of guys swinging swords you can have. And I know you could say that about there's only so many shots of guys firing weapons you can have. Mm. But with a firefight, you can you can bring well, it. There's out. only one shot of Mackenzie Cook firing a longbow. Oh, yeah, that's so bad, and that's weird to me as well. It is, isn't it? You, you get him losing an arrow, and it's the same shot yeah. five times in a row. Oh yeah, I know. And it made the final cut, and I just think, okay, did you not have as did you not have as many shots of that happening that you wanted? Apparently not. It's a bit weird to me. Yeah, it doesn't I, come that, that, I swear that's the one that they use at the in the first assault as well. So they film, yeah, I think they film one be. shot of him loosing an arrow. Mm. Yeah. And then he's dead. And that's it. Yeah. You know. I, I think I read, actually, and I was quite surprised they didn't use this. The one person they did execute was an archer. Um, oh. And he'd been in the king's service for a long, long time, but had switched sides. Well, um, they could have had that in there. Yeah, yeah, it would have made total sense, but yeah, they yeah. didn't include that. So maybe we should slide into final thoughts like we always do. I think we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, so it, it starts off a little bit like Lord of the Ringsy, Magnificent Seven, you getting your gang together. Mm. And then it goes into the last stand. Yeah. That's Whereas, a good way of characterizing it. Yeah, that's what I got from it. Like you've got the the wide shots of them traveling on their horses, and that reminded me of when the fellowship are going up to yeah, find or... um Monty Python, Holy Grail. Lithomere, wherever it's bloody called. <laughs> I haven't seen Lord of the Rings in yet. Middle Earth. I wish we'd had, because there's a nucleus of a decent film in here. There's parts that really work. Oh, totally. Yeah, I, I think I said to Matt off off uh, mic, 
that it's not a film that's greater of the sum of its parts, but some of its parts, SOM, are decent. Mm. Like I think, and and I wish wish we had more setting the scene, setting the polit- the politics up of the era, like why this is important, why the Magna Carta was important, why why John's what John's doing is wrong, and you know maybe a bit more of Cox's character setting his army up and you know us and them type thing you never really feel anyone's got enough skin in the game apart from john because he gets so much characterization and no one else gets it yeah no i agree um yeah they rely heavily on that scene where the priest that the templars are traveling with is killed just to set up gmrt so quickly yeah um so that 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 grated on me i was i i I, that kind of like set me up to you know, be concerned going forward throughout the film mm. because it just felt so unlikely. You know, there's these three Templars are traveling. They stop at, um, I think they're on pilgrimage. They stop at the, you know, a castle. Yeah. And John arrives, and um, obviously the Templars had sided with the Barons initially. Mm-hmm. Um. D- during the the first conflict, and then. Giamatti basically hangs and cuts the tongue out of hangs the hangs the constable of the castle and then cuts the tongue out of the priest. Yeah. Um and Purfoy and two nameless Templars. Nameless Templars go down to sort of like intervene. Purfoy like grabs the the stricken priest throws him on a horse they ride out which seems completely unlikely there would have been more men outside he wouldn't have gone away um you know as soon as he's left the the two templars are completely overrun and they've just died for no reason um the priest dies anyway and um therefore just carries on he's like oh don't know what to do now Mm. um there's a there's a number of aspects of this where it's like that doesn't really work. Like, there's the whole um, love subplot with Kate Mara. Oh God, yeah. And Perfoy's character, which is unnecessary. I know why it's in won't there. They? It's and it's and it drags the do. film on about half He's, an hour more than it will. He, will he break his vow of chastity? Yeah. Um, and and Mara's character is doing like a proper biblical Eve, like yes, role, it is, isn't, isn't it? she? Like with yeah. the temptation and stuff, and it's. Mm. It's very, um, I don't know, it's just not necessary, really. Yeah, because in all those sequences, I was like, this could have been trimmed down or cut entirely, and you could use this time to, or the money that you spent in these sequences to, to make the film more grand. Yeah. You know, rain Or we could have had bit. Mara talking to her lady in waiting about the siege and giving context yeah. around the siege. Like, we're Ex- really we running out of food. Ex- we there's just a lot of people exposition. dying. And I never, you know, I never like saying that. Yeah. We need more exposition than we get. I and I don't know how you felt, but I also feel because there's so many great character actors in this doing a really good job of what they've got because the script isn't strong, as strong as it could be. Um, there doesn't feel like there's a real lead to the film. I, I never felt anyone you could really pin your hat and go, that's your lead there. Purfoy hasn't got enough lines. Cox hasn't got enough lines. Everyone's sort of trying to lift it together. And I just, I didn't feel like the movie, I could pin the movie on anybody. Yeah. It just, it, it, it's probably a bad way to explain it, but it, it didn't sit well with me. It Ca- does feel like the script is the element that is 
you know, what's letting it down because there is money yeah. there that they have, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, gone to this expense of setting up an actual mock castle, you know, mm. filming it. They've done some good Ooh, CGI. The elements are there. Oh, the man. elements are there. I mean, they don't include like the actual city of Rochester. So the castle's just like on a plane. Um, mm. not, not an aeroplane on like a it might have been nice to have them in Rochester trying to inspire like yeah. an uprising and um there's or, no know, context around the area yeah. and why they're doing it um because there's a little bit of setup um where it talks about it's a strategic point but like is it really strategic and even Tiberius says could we not just go around them and yeah Don has a diatribe and explains it all that's pretty good but at the same time the film then forgets to set up the fact that they're undermining the, the castle's walls as well. Yeah, they um, show it once, don't they? And they, they put the pigs in there. Yeah, that that took like a month to dig. Yeah, it could, and they, it could they have dig easily it like had half hour. Yeah, you could have easily had, you know, King John, uh, just be like begin a mine. Yeah, and they you, you cut some dudes like digging, and then half an hour later, like a, we need like a strategy meet, meeting in his great in his big tent with all his lads being like right. This well, is how we're going to no, do it. There's no, you know, there's no, um, there's no real men at arms. He would have had his own men at arms. He would have had yeah. his own um, entourage. Um, would have had, you know, loyal barons, loyal lords, loyal men at arms, knights would have been with him. You don't see any of those because it's just yeah. him and Tiberius the mercenary. So it kind of makes oh. John seem like this really insular person mm. where it's just him and a mercenary. He's got nothing but these mercenaries. Yeah. Um, which what isn't really the case. A, a nine men scene where they explain how much ammo they've got, yeah, how many arrows they have, how many swords, yeah, what they're going to do. Like, it just needs more take. of that. Yeah, yeah. It, it just needs a little bit more because I never felt like they were besieged. Actually, I like the bit where Perfoy like so like takes command, walks around, goes like, "Where's the water come from? How much food have we got?" That um, that's it. That's it. That's, that's all, all you get. get. That though. Yeah. And then well, if go, you think oh, about many, it, then if you got lit, sorry, go on. No, exactly. And you know, obviously there is a dozen men and the seven that arrive. Yeah. Um, that number fluctuates as the movie goes on. Yeah, Whenever it they does because like have... five of them die in the first five minutes. The, yeah. You know, the assault. Go. Oh, how many um, have you got left, Garrison? Neat, like man. Oh, I've got yeah. six left. But then in the scene, there'll be like four or five over here, four or five over there, and I'm like, well. I just yeah, I don't exactly. buy any way that these amount of men could hold against this huge army. It's just not not doable. Well, I mean, you take the two hundred, and yeah, totally. Believable. Well, of course, yeah, but you need you the can, money to show that. And that's an issue. Yeah, you can defend you could defend Rochester Castle with two hundred because they did for two months, and you know, and at that point, it was the largest siege England had ever seen. Wow. It was the most complex, you know, in terms of trebuchets, siege engine, undermining. That's that's. Really complex siege work um, mm. because it, it's a really well built castle. GMRT has like a really nice line, like you know, you don't have to tell me. I appreciate the strength of a Norman keep. It's That's like great. one of his good lines. He has some um, of the best lines. He feels like yeah. the most well rounded character. He is. That's why <laughs> he really. Yeah, exactly. That's the nature. And that, that's the my literally my final thoughts in a nutshell. Like he's your your villain is your strongest character, and that that sometimes isn't a good thing because it shows yeah. the movie up. What what struck me is you know going back to um, the one word one word reviews and you know interactions on Twitter. Someone mentioned that they they learnt history from it that they wouldn't have you know ordinarily mm. learned, and that is something that we always talk about on the show where it's like 
people will learn something from this. Yeah. Even if it's only loosely based. And, and then, hopefully then, that, then they go away and, and you know, read the yeah. Wikipedia article. Oh, God. Um, or go and read a book and, or, you know, dig a bit deeper. Um, go visit the castle itself. Exactly. Yeah. In this, in this if case, If it feeds definitely. back into the grand sphere of history and learning, and that's great. And if it really is. does that, then that, but, it's a triumph in a, in a respect. But the history at the end of the film is absolute shit. It's like, it's yeah. like the worst possible ending to this film. Up until the point where they, the, the Danes kind of sneak into the castle, um, which I don't think that's how they got in, but whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, um, it's okay. It's doing what it can with what it's got. Yeah. It, the the actual like story of the siege is insane because you know they they fall back from the actual bailey the the walls, they're in the keep, they fight on in the keep for another month. The corner of the keep collapses when the the undermining of, of of the of the tower brings you know that down. We talked about the CGI being you know the best representation of that we're ever going to get. But yeah, yeah, um, what they you know what they kind of allude to ever so slightly is that there is a huge separating wall that splits the keep in half that they just retreat behind and continue fighting for another you know couple of weeks. Um, as it stands, like the actual siege and the story of the siege is way more interesting than the film, as always. Um, yes. But then the outcome, it shows the siege as a, a, a defeat for John, which it wasn't. It, no. He successfully captured that castle and held it. Um, it shows him, you know, off, off dying of dysentery, looking sad on a horse um, while a wagon's stuck in some mud. That's that didn't happen for another like eighteen right months. There. Like that is it. He looked hungover. He's lucky that a rough night of he probably did. He's probably just sick of sick of like yeah. having to uh, carry the film in terms of <laughs> script. Um, but the French, the the relieving French army with Charles Dance at the head of it, didn't arrive. Didn't happen. Wasn't a thing. Um, it's d- definitely not that siege the fighting continued for another like year, 18 months. Mm. John finally died in Norfolk um, of dysentery, did die of dysentery yeah, in Norfolk. From, like, from bad um, meads or bad like beer or something I heard? Something like that. Or they don't really know for sure. They don't right, really okay. know. So it's, there's lots of like ideas about how it happened. They don't have a photo it was poison of it. <laughs> <or not. laughs> yeah, there was no video of it, Rob. Um, no. It's no one there with the VHS. Um, no, I was live tweeting in John's death back then. Yeah, exactly. Um, but the thing is, like, it completely misrepresents, you know, John's fate, the fate of the, the barons, because yeah. Henry III came to the throne, um, you know, with um, with a protectorate, um, and the barons basically decide we'd rather have a weak young boy king than a strong French prince become our king. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it, it just it's nice the, to see the, what the xenophobia even back then. <laughs> England. <laughs> you don't you don't want you know more more French people coming no, over more here. French Christ, how many taking, wars taking the crown? Isn't it? <laughs> I already had the Normans, um, but you know it's 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 interesting that it, the film's doing all right until the last like fifty minutes, and then it takes yeah. such a hard left turn into just. It really does. It felt like they wanted to wrap it up. It just felt like it needed. It, it that, does. Like, it does. It just trails off. It's film really front end. Oh, and Derry Jac- Jacoby as Cornhill. Um, he, he didn't hang himself. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, yeah. 
because okay. he had to he had to do that because everyone had to die because john was shown as such a you know raging menacing yeah um a real brutal king yeah um that there's no way no one in that would survive but during the actual siege one of one of it um john john's nobles supporters or i think one of the mercenaries perhaps even said we should keep these guys as hostages which was a very common thing in the medieval period um and that'll ensure that you know the sieges of our castles or towns or whatever that happen they won't massacre the garrisons there so there was a logic to him you know keeping the garrison that survived alive um but we you know you just can't do that with the way that john's been characterized in the film yeah of course yeah just just a bit yeah it it just peters out the film it it and it's so as i just said it's so front-ended with all those actiony the fight sequences and the, the mm. it ends on that classic baddie versus the protagonist doesn't it and yeah. he can't fight john so he has to fight tiberius yeah of course yeah if he'd have fought john that'd have been amazing i'd love to have seen that Paul Giamatti and uh, yeah. Purfoy going at it. That'd have been great. <laughs> but he has to fight, like, not being not being horrible, the actor, but sort of generic underling baddie henchman mm-hmm. number one. It's it's no, it just doesn't, he doesn't have enough to do. It's, it comes back to my core argument and no one has enough as much. No one has enough to do. Mm. And it's unfair to the cast because they are good. They're a good cast. Yeah. Um, and they elevate, a, they elevate a, to me, is a pretty poor script. Um, but there we have it. I think. I hope first... we've done our first chivalry and swords film justice. Um, yeah, I hope we have. Yeah, botched our history too much, or you know, gotten particular types of sword wrong. Because I know there's people out there that are knowledgeable. We on that swerve sort of thing. talking about makes of swords. We were quite clever, you know. <laughs> and for the record, Smith and Wesson didn't make swords, and Kalashnikov no, didn't. didn't make swords. I was just being. Being facetious. It's a little, little, little fun joke there from Rob. <laughs> a little, a little weapons-based chat, weapon-based wit for you there. Um, so on another, um, you know, milestone for the show. It's not quite 150 episodes yet, but it is our first Shivery and Swords movie. Yeah, we will endeavour to do a few more here and there. Um, we definitely will. If you have any more suggestions, please um, come at us on the social medias at fightingonfilm.com, where you can find us on Twitter, find us on Facebook, find us on uh instagram um instagram, give us a follow um threads if anyone's on, we're on everything X, we're, we're covering um, all angles yeah um and you can also find us in person next week at the we have ways festival uh where we'll be giving a talk about the british army um during world war ii on film which is going to be yeah. a lot of fun and hopefully um some of you guys might be attending if so come say hello yeah please do and uh keep it all things off for your war movie reviews and we'll be back next week Um, with another one for your delectation. Catch you next week, guys. Bye, everyone. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.